Welcome to the UCLA Anderson FEMBA Drive Time Podcast. I am Dylan Stafford, your host this week, and we have a wonderful guest, a real global citizen and an emerging leader in the second year class of 2018 here at FEMBA. Daytra Oliver is my guest today, and we're going to cover her her background as a, as a person who's grown up around the world, been educated around the world. We're going to tell you the brand new news that she is this year's John Wooden Global Leadership Award Fellowships winner representing FEMBA in the entire student body. And, uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the family balance. Um, Datra is also a mom. She has a young son. And we'll talk a little bit about how she's balanced that and, and just some of the expansion that's happened through the first year of her FEMBA education. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. Happy to be here. I am happy to have you. Let's start with with um, your background because you you've grown up and yeah. around the world. Let's tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, I've had a great experience. So I'm originally from the Bahamas. So I was born and grew up there. I left at 16 to go to college um, in Canada, and so I've either lived or studied in Canada, the UK, and in the US. In the US, in the Midwest, and now most recently out here on the West Coast, relocated with my family. So I definitely consider myself a global citizen, but I think I've had the best of both worlds too because I definitely had a very, I'd say, secure upbringing in the Bahamas, where the first 16 years I lived in the same house. My mom mm-hmm. still lives in that house. My great grand uncle built that house. Um, my family still is involved in the same church there. So whenever we visit, it's a lot of fun. I definitely feel like I have some roots. Um, but from 16, I don't think I've lived in the same place for more than four years. Wow. Um, on the upper end, yeah. Now, okay, so is it typical to start college at 16 in the Bahamas? I, I don't know. Or is that that's early for the U.S.? Yeah, it is early. And it's kind of the hybrid of the British system. Okay. Um, so being a former British colony, I started school a lot earlier. You graduate a lot earlier. And then sort of you hit, which would be 12th grade here, you have this... Um, you, you can either enter the U.S. system, which mm-hmm. at that point you'd be earlier, or you can do sort of a U.K. extension. It's called O or A levels. Okay. So some people do those. I did a hybrid. I came to Canada, but I did an IB, an international baccalaureate. Mm. So I still had two years of incubation before I f- hit a full U.S. undergrad, um, and that was very special in Canada. So again, b- best of both worlds. It, it was definitely hard leaving home so early, but... Um, now being a parent myself, I think the trust that my mom had and just the faith in knowing who your kid was and what they could do, I, I really commend her um, for for allowing me to be able to do some of that. Oh, that's great. She launched you uh, with the confidence yes. that parents have to have. when. And now I have no idea how she slept. <laughs> but there I went. And I have this bad habit. The same thing happened with London. The same thing happened when I moved to the U.S., my first trip to London was after I was accepted into law school. Oh, so you got accepted and you'd not been there yet? Never been, never visited, got off the plane, had a week or two before classes, and I was like, okay, here we go. Right in the middle of the financial crisis in 2007, so a lot, a lot of fun, definitely an adventurous spirit. And you were explaining to me beforehand, so you are a barrister of law. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the process of becoming a lawyer 
you know, actually being educated in the old school British English system. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, thanks to colonization for better or worse, if you scratch deep enough in any English speaking legal system, it's English law. Mm -hmm. So being from the Bahamas, my husband was from Jamaica. I have a background in international affairs. I knew I wanted an international legal education. English is my first language. So I went back to the mothership. Mm. Um, so that's how I got there. And it's fun. Um, they have a separation between solicitors and barristers. Okay. And maybe some healthy tension between the two <laughs> the two groups. So I train to be a barrister, which is more on the advocacy side of the profession. So the person who will actually be in court standing up presenting to the judge. So you get a lot of good training on that, which uh, on persuasive skills, on models of speaking, you know, how to get your points across concisely, and of course, just good legal arguments. And those are good skills of analysis and communication that will serve you well anywhere. Um, and solicitors are more like client managers. Uh, these are very broad brushstrokes. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't get flooded with emails <laughs> saying, I'm a solicitor. And, you know, it's a very old profession, um, but a lot of fun. You get to wear wigs, not every day, but you get called with your wig and you have to join a temple. Oh, you my. have to join an inn, wow. which is sort of a professional body. There are only four still um, in London. And it's almost like, I think back in the days when you had masons or certain professions, you have to join an inn and that inn is the one that calls you to the bar. Oh my. And you literally write your name in a book, Mm. in a book, and that is your, I won't say rank, but definitely your hierarchy. If you're, you know, two years in, you would know that maybe someone you were going against was, you know, four or five years in and... There's some, you know, due respect there for tenure, but it was fun. And then I got called again in the Bahamas, so I got to wear the wig twice. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I, I mean, here we are, but traditions persist. Yeah, they do. They do. And I, I don't mind tradition. It's, I like it's, it, yeah. it's good, yeah. It was fun, and it definitely gave me a feeling, especially, you know, careers are so fast-moving these days. You may have, you know five to seven different careers, not just jobs, over your average working life now. So definitely, I think, as part of my entry into formal profession to be so welcomed, and you had to go to dinners, and, you know, a lot of pomp and pageantry, but um, a lot of confidence, too, and, and welcoming into the profession. So that was that was great. Pleased always to have another lawyer applying to the program, because I love advanced degrees. I always think that that just brings, you know, a deeper conversation to the learning in the classroom, but how did you choose FEMBA? Because that's where you and I got to know each other. We got to know each other that summer. You had been admitted to another school, which shall not be named, uh, who had a two-year offering. So you were... You you were looking at oh wow FEMBA is three years and that yeah you had some questions about that and then you were also a new mom at the, yeah, at the time I was, so yeah. take people back to how you chose so Anderson. I you know I guess family and um, all of that plays we tend to do quantum leaps in my family so <laughs> for some reason we decided in one year my husband graduated with his PhD in computer science he okay. accepted a new job we had a son we moved. I started a new job, and then I was like, yeah, sure, this is the right time to, you know. <laughs> What's one more thing? <laughs> yeah, of course, this is the right time um, to start a new degree. Yeah. Um, but I was very impressed with UCLA. I knew I needed something close to family, but again, as part of this global citizenship and what I'd been passionate with before, I didn't want to compromise on the FaceTime. Mm. 
Mm. And I'd done my research. I knew that UCLA was one of the first places to really integrate a foreign exchange mm -hmm. um, program element. It's one of the few that you're still allowed to do that part-time, and that's really supported. I really like the flex model where you could have the flexibility, but we have time on campus too, and being integrated into some of the clubs and, and life. So I knew that was important because as we know with the MBA, of course, the academic excellence is important, but you're really building a network. Um, you're building a community. And um, again, having grown up in the Bahamas, an island by seven, by 21, you know, you want to see the faces in your community, um, get some face time. So I thought the FEMBA was the best choice in balancing that all for me. And definitely you were a good, good persuader. <laughs> That's my job. Yes, it was very good. And, you know, you got me over that hump of the additional year, um, which is important. And part of my framework, too, not just an additional year, it's all investment. Mm. You know, so what's your expected return on what you're on what you're investing and FEMBA fit what I wanted to do. Like investment means different things to different people. Yeah. I'm, you're a person who's already made an investment. You flew across an ocean to earn your law degree. Yeah. And here you are, you know, for a third degree. So what is it that you look at when you evaluate the value of this effort you're putting in? Yeah, that is a awesome question. So part of it is twofold. I'm um, black. Well, hello. <laughs> that was awkward. <laughs> but it's a podcast. And there's statistics out there that, you know, just statistically, African-American black women are very highly educated. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that comes to that. Some of that is cultural. Some of that um, is just being prepared in a different way for corporate. So when I moved back to the U.S. after having been in London and I moved back after I got married, I knew I would need a professional U.S. degree, even mm -hmm. though I had a U.K. law degree. Mm -hmm. And part of my exploration was, do I get another law degree? which I wasn't super excited about, mm -hmm. or do I do something different that can more consolidate this experience? So I had done an econ undergrad. I had done now this law degree. I had some experience in international affairs, having worked in the foreign service for the Bahamas. So I was looking for a way to consolidate that and bring that together here in the U.S. and use that as a pivot point to my next level of leadership. Um, so, you know, adding up. You know, as my grandmother said, the sooner you start, the sooner you can finish. Mm. So I knew it was something I needed to do, and it was just always a question of when, mm -hmm. when I would do it. And something unique to my journey, well, maybe not as unique as, as I thought, but seems to be unique in thinking to other people. My son, having my son, was actually a pivot point for me to start. Hmm. To get the MBA. Even, even more so than your husband's even, PhD? Yeah, even more so. Yeah. So we have a house rule. Only one person is allowed in school at one time. <laughs> Probably a sane rule. Sane very rule. Sane. So I had done my law degree and he was working and then he did his PhD and I was working. Mm. So now with the FEMBA, we're both working with the kids. So again, up in the stakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I had my son. It was so transformative um, in parenting. And I was like, how can I better teach him that, you know, you have your dreams and you make your own way than doing this thing that I've always wanted to do. You know, I have to go out and do it. And, you know, God forbid that it should ever be something he feels that he was a reason or maybe that was a reason I didn't do something. Mm. I couldn't have that happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him. So I knew I wanted to do it and I had to do it. And so that actually added a sense of, I wouldn't say urgency, but bringing it to the closer forefront that, you know, I have the son. I want to show him that you can do everything, mm. you know, um, and just figure out how to do it. So 
I guess in the data way that meant applying for grad school for six month old. <laughs> the data way, made, I like it. It made it made sense at the time. I was like, you know, by the time he's in kindergarten, mm-hmm. I'll be done with school, and we'll be back to the family rule of one person in school at one time, hopefully. Well, and as we spoke the summer before you uh, matriculated last year, it, it the the very physical immediacy of the week of orientation. Yes. Leadership Foundations is a five day experience, but because of your commute, yes. you were going to need to overnight here closer yeah. to campus, and that was going to be... My first time away. Yeah, and that's yeah. a huge... It was oh. a huge milestone. So just for complete transparency, Dylan practically found me in the back of Corn Hall, like, you know, with the waterworks going full, full speed, and it was so great because you had your own son there. And again, that was a model, and I had looked at all of that with my MBA program. I know UCLA was supportive. I think a lot of times you look at the institution, but you look at the culture. Mm-hmm. And I had seen people walking the walk and talking the talk with having the balance with family. And so I was really, I was struggling with being away. I just was. And you kind of prepare for it and you get your support systems in place. And, you know, I had done the Skype and all of that. <laughs> and we have technology that makes it easier. But, you know, at some point it just really hits you that you're away. Yeah. And so it, it was a double-edged sword. It was hard, but then I also was able to find solace that it wasn't just time away. It was time invested. Yeah. It was time invested. And I sort of had that as my framework. And when I'm here, I try to be present and plugged in at the risk of maybe being overscheduled. <laughs> I've never met a Femba who was overscheduled. Right. Never, ever crossed my you path. Know, but, if, but if I'm here, you know, I try to, you know, really plug in, um, plug into the community and just be here 100%. Mm. 100%. And make, make it worth it. Well, let's, let's talk about being plugged in. The John Wooden Global Leadership Award Fellowship you, is, is, a, is a competitive award. People apply for it. Um, you're the recipient. Uh, why don't you tell people about kind of what your thinking was, you know, your appreciation of Wooden, what it's yeah. like to be the the recipient? I don't know what it's like yet. Okay, that's right. I, yeah, think yeah. The, I think the press machine is just grinding up, so it will be interesting. So I've met so far with a lot of great um, folks in our marketing office, and I know mm. there's going to be an award dinner. Um, there's definitely so much prestige and history with the ward and just the standard of leadership that wouldn't have set is mm-hmm. phenomenal. So I had learned of him. I think a lot of people have just learned of him even peripherally. And then again, being in UCLA had learned a bit more about him. Um, and then in the process of applying and being granted this award, really studying, you know, reading through his uh, book on leadership right now, really studying some of his tenants and, um, What's really special about him, not just a one-hit wonder, like decades. Sustained excellence. Sustained, you know, decades of leadership and having that balance of athletic leadership. He was still very um, big on academics. Mm -hmm. And then I think, too, he was leading at some very tumultuous times. So, you know, coming into UCLA in the 60s and 70s, it's almost reminiscent of what we're seeing now with, like, the political stuff of Black Lives Matter. It would have been the civil rights, you know, movement mm-hmm. at that time and everything happening at school. And he had a unified team. Yeah. And he got that team to perform at their best, you know, amidst all of what was happening and to do that over and over and over 
again, you know, I just read the story about how we recruited Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of that. And one of the reasons of being a part of an integrated team at a time when things were very tense, you know, in the country and racially. So it, it, it's just it's amazing to be a part of that community. Some of the fellows that have gone before have just done such um, wonderful things. And I'm, I'm just honored. I, I really am. It's kind of intimidating, too, but. Well, I'm not a, supposed to say that. Um, it's a big, it's a big ceremony, so, yeah. and you're going to do great, and you're going to represent Thumba, and, and it's going to be wonderful. I've attended some of it, uh, Dean Olian. This is one of her. It's it's a really wonderful thing because this has happened under her stewardship yes. of the school. This this John Wooden Global Leadership Award, and and it's a two part award. For those of you who aren't familiar, we we honor a highly ethical, highly accomplished CEO. Yeah. And then we also have student fellowship winners, yeah. and and they're honored in in one big ceremony. And it's a it's a very, it's like Anderson all gussied up. It's a very pretty much yeah. It's a black yeah. tie affair, and um and it's wonderful. And I, I had the honor of attending one year when Wooden was still with us, and and Kareem Abdul wow. Jabbar introduced him, and he spoke to he spoke to Wooden's contribution to integration. How there's the story of him not participating in a basketball tournament that had a Really, I that had an that. element of you know certain people aren't allowed to participate wow. because of skin color and 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 it it was never a in cream it was hearing him say words that wouldn't himself never boasted of was right. pretty impressive yeah because uh, cream Abdul Jabbar is so talk about a present person he's yes. a deep soul he's an old soul and when he speaks you know he's in, and wooden is the same way and, yeah. and and to your point about the times in which wooden coached yeah you know bill walton was protesting the vietnam war i mean you read wooden today and it still sounds kind of old fashioned but we we're not protesting the vietnam war today i mean the right. the this the late 60s and early 70s there was a lot going on in a lot society. going on still and today still a lot going on so i think it is it definitely his tenants hold his tenants hold a lot of what he taught and believed in hold. And so I'm honored to be part of that legacy. Um, I intend to live up to it. You're going to be great. Yes. Um, so th- and I've, ha- I've had some practice. I've, I've been very fortunate to meet some great people. I've met Nelson Mandela. I've met the Queen of England. Oh, my goodness. When did you meet them? I didn't know this. I met. I was about 12 years old. I have a, fo- I have a photo here. Oh, my gosh. Um, we'll put it in the Brit- show notes. Yeah. Nelson Mandela, speaking of leadership, has just always kind of been present. And I know it's kind of hard. But, you know, I was a young girl um, learning in the Bahamas about apartheid. Yeah. And I remember this the Sunday morning, it was Sunday for us, when he was released in the Bahamas. I was in church with my family. Oh, my God. And we stopped the service, and that was just such a moment. It was almost like, you know, when the when the war, when the wall came down. You just yeah. have these these moments. And then, um, then I met him at my church. Oh, my God. I know, it's just weird, right? So he was in town for a high-level meeting, and I grew up in a pretty urban neighborhood in the Bahamas. It's a very rough neighborhood, to be honest. But like a lot of urban centers, uh, close to the city center, so he was here for a high-level meeting, and he just literally, it was the closest church in the city center. (laughs) Wow. And so I met him, I'm like 12, and my mom ran home and got the camera. (laughs) 
you know, and oh, I have pre cell phone. We had to go get the camera. We had to go, go get, get the, the camera. camera, and you know, the whole place just sort of stopped. I can't tell you what the sermon was on that day. Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers. And then to this thing of of servant leadership at a very young age that impressed me. This is real. This is just not on TV. Like these these people are great, but they're real people. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you can really do to plug into your community. And then sort of the the other impact for me, when Nelson Mandela passed, I was pregnant with my son. Mm. And I had just found out that he was a boy. Mm. And I just felt all this, like, you know, bringing him into this world and what kind of world he was going to inherit. Um, and at the same time, this great, you know, just presence was moving on. And sort of what was my part to continue that, to give him a better heritage. So, yeah, that was amazing. Um, Queen Elizabeth was amazing. (laughs) Um, But wait, there's more, there's more. I'm still digesting Nelson Mandela, but no, I want to hear about Queen Elizabeth also. I'm I'm sticking to the servant leadership because I think people underestimate the little things you do add up. Um, And in that one, I had been working in foreign affairs already for the Bahamas. Um, I'd been working for about two years. I just moved to the UK for this law degree, sight unseen. Mm. Um, And so they had a local office there and they literally needed someone to show up at a meeting. Nice. Just happened to be a meeting with Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) And you happened to be there, but it's one of those things that they didn't necessarily have to call me, Mm -hmm. but you've already shown yourself to be a team player, someone who could be trusted. Yeah. You know, they trust you in a room not to do the big faux pas. <laughs> did you have to curtsy? I did have to curtsy. Oh, my God. And now, do you, do you know how to curtsy? or did someone... I practiced oh extensively. What do men do? Men bow? Men bow. Bow from the waist down? I had to bend curtsy. Waist... I was also introduced by an official page. Wow. His title is Page. Yeah. I know we think of it really cutesy with like a page boy at weddings. No. There is a page. It's like a professional butler. It's a, a, it's a full-grown adult and role. And he calls your name. Wow. And he got it right. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Yes, he got it right. And you curtsy, and it's sort of like an assembly line, and you move on. Wow. So just great opportunity. started really small, just, yeah. you know, showing up. And I had my little desk in foreign affairs. I had the CARICOM and UN desk, and a lot of it was just sitting in high-level meetings, and you're the one taking the notes. You're just happy to be at the table. Mm-hmm. Spell check. Yeah. You know, make sure you spelled everyone's name right. But you are at the table. You are in yeah, the room. You're in the room. And, and so don't yeah. underestimate just yeah. being faithful in those small things. And then you prove yourself and one day they need someone in the room and you've, you've proven yourself. So mm. that that's my thing. And, and that's why the heart of servant leadership is so important to me. And I, ha- I have lots of great stories like that. Well, not lots. That sounds like a lot of puffery but i'll give you i'll give you one more all right one more let's so um i ended up in kenya and tanzania of Hmm. all places um with cargill which was the company that i was working Mm -hmm. with before i relocated out here with my family and they had a, a program where they were doing a technological exchange with small food producers so they had these big food companies cargill general mill um bueller nestle And instead of sending aid and money, we would actually organize these calls where you could talk to an engineer who was in a sugar plant, Hmm. and he could help you figure out your sugar plant. Wow. You could talk to someone who was in the cereal division of General Mills, 
on their fruit bars and figure out maybe how to help your fruit last longer. Hmm. And so there was this whole thing of teaching to fish that was mm-hmm. very powerful. Not giving a fish, but teaching right, to fish that right, powerful metaphor. Right, teaching, teaching to fish. And I showed up to those meetings. I'm like, this is me. This is my thing. I'm international, you know, community exchange, building, but I'm not an engineer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a technical person. I don't know how to build a plant. What do you need? How can I help? Mm-hmm. I'll take the notes. I'll set up the meetings. I'll yep. set up the calls. Before I know it, I'm country manager, um, organizing about maybe 60 volunteers across 10 different companies. And we had field visits and, you know, I'm meeting the U.S. ambassador to Kenya and I'm in Kenya in the field helping connect these um, volunteers and tell their stories. And it's not to diminish what you do, but I think it's tempting sometimes to look for the big bow at the end, Mm -hmm. Um, but just plug in where you can. Mm -hmm. Just plug in where you can. Be present and be generous with what you have. Well, let's let's kind of bring people to sort of the the work life balance because that's a really important thing for you and yeah. when you say plug in you remind me of our conversation we had about lean in but yeah what's um, what's fun for our listeners is you've completed your first year so most of our podcasts thus far you <laughs> survived no you, you thrived you I thrived. thrived I'm almost done with core that's yeah. right so we've we've most of our podcasts have been exiting third year students so we're just now starting to interview yes. people who are midstream so um Let's talk a little bit about your your here and now experience, maybe that that you think yeah. people might be interested in the transition of back to school. Anything you'd yes. like to? I, I'm having a great time, honestly. Great, great. I'm glad you're surviving and having. I a- am <laughs> honestly thriving. I'm being a bit cheeky. I I am having <laughs> such a great time. The program has exceeded my expectations. We didn't pay her to say that. This is you, all voluntary. No, no, I didn't get paid to say that. I'm not just in professors and like the curriculum, but the camaraderie of class, mm. like as stressful as it can be, as busy as, as it can be. I talked to a number of people over the summer and they're like, we're ready to get back to class. What have you been doing? I haven't mm. seen you. How's your mm. summer going? Like, I miss you. You know, and I, I wasn't not to sound jaded, I wasn't necessarily expecting that of business school. Yeah. You know, so maybe there's the so many preconceptions about yeah, business school. There's that, a lot of preconceptions about business school. And I think Anderson more than most runs counter to a lot of that. I don't know a if it's California, if it's the diversity of background of our students, if it's faculty attitude or some yeah. magic mix of all that. But. Yeah, it, it, it does. And especially the sense of community. And I think the sense of management and leadership. It's not just business school. You're managing relationships. Um, so I have had a great time. I think looking back now, heading into my second year, the first year was all about doing well in core and, you know, making sure that you get the right balance. When do I study? Do I study a little bit every night? Do I do weekends? How mm-hmm. does it work? How does childcare work? How do I make sure I still have a happy family? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and some of that has just been very practical and just transparently what what has worked for me, advanced communication. Mm. That's at home and in your group. So if you know you're coming into a busy time, you've planned a vacation with your family and you know it's going to hit whenever, we can discuss that the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing at home, at the risk of sounding uh, the two Air Force One, in our <laughs> kitchen, we have a great whiteboard, oh, which is yes. a calendar, yeah. and all my meetings, my school meetings are there, my weekends when I'm away are there, um, to keep my husband healthy, mm. we have a daddy night, we have a mm. mommy night, mm. so every Tuesday night, he's off, 
Mm. Well, not completely off because he's a parent. Right. But, you know, we after dinner, it's like, go see a movie. Go watch a game. You know, just yeah. go hang out. On Thursdays, should be my night. I should do better. I usually end up doing Sunday work. <laughs> um, but technically, it's, you know, so we give that time untethered. And then we also try to be very good with family time um, and planning that in. So, again, planning in advance. My son is at the stage. Thomas the Tiger is a demigod right now. In the house. Thomas the Train is in town. And we have tickets, and Daniel Tiger's coming to town, and we're going to do that. We do a family Halloween costume. We're going to do that. So you have to pick your moments. Um, my son's birthday is in May, mm. so I think my whole study group knew that because it was right <laughs> before our finals. And I was like, guys, just so you know, this week is birthday week, so I'm going to have to do this before or after and just communicate up front. So people have been really flexible. I think it's defining what your success is. For me, I wanted to have a strong core, strong start to core, and really learn Anderson. So I made a decision my first year. I didn't do any extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. I didn't join any clubs. I wanted to make sure I had time to find my balance before adding on extras. Um, And that worked pretty well this year. Knock on wood, I feel a bit more confident. So I'm a mentor now. I mentor Mm. 2019 and I'm looking at clubs and looking at maybe ways to become more involved and, and give back some more. Well, and that's the lovely, back to our original conversation about the three years of FEMBA, you still have two years of MBA in front of you. You've yes. had a year to get your sea legs under you, yeah. establish patterns that work with your family life, your own commitments to your own education, yes. your investment, and there's still two years. There's still two years. So it, it is... It's a tricky thing. This, I mean, three years seems so daunting. It's, yeah. It seems But you know, like, you go at your pace. Yeah. You go at your pace. And these podcasts have been so helpful for me. I listen Mm. to them to also get tips on how people pace things differently. Some people pace very heavy that first year. Mm -hmm. So you're already in your internship by your second year, and then you get the prestige of being a FUMBA that third year, right? (laughs) Fully unemployed MBA. Fully unemployed MBA. You have already, you know, ridden off into the sunset. Well, almost. Um, (laughs) So you you have to pace yourself. I know for me, I was balancing a lot with, uh, at the time, a one-year-old, now a two-year-old, and we're in the terrific twos. I'm rebranding that. Yes, the terrific twos. I like that. The terrific (laughs) twos. A brand extension of the terrible dudes. yes much more uh palatable yeah I so like you know you you have to know you want a healthy relationship one thing from i did learn too and this is not a fember thing this is just a good life thing of having your support mm-hmm. in your community and not taking that for granted so at this stage especially with flex a decision to go back to school that's a family decision mm-hmm. that's a family investment you know that's not an individual decision or an individual investment so making sure, you know, you have your garden well tended um, and that you have the support that you need to be successful. Well, I think we've kind of covered the big themes that we had we had set out for ourselves. You know, your, your global background and, and how that all culminates, you know, in a very global citizenry here and and your your servant leadership before school and now kind of what's next and then and then balancing a family. Um, any sort of pay it forward thoughts for anybody listening who might be considering their MBA or who also is a current student, you know, and any, any kind of final, final reflections as we. Excellent question. Always apply. Always apply. Literally and 
figuratively. Mm, I like that. Always apply. Literally and figuratively. So even me, when I was looking at UCLA, it's competitive to get into UCLA. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of doubts. I was less than a year um, out in California. Was this going to be a fit? You know, apply and make the decision when you get there. Mm -hmm. And get the wisdom you need along the way. You and I talked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were very proactive. You reached out. And make sure it's going to be a fit for you. The same thing with the Wooden Fellows. Super competitive. Mm -hmm. But apply. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, I guess, literally, figuratively, always apply. When Mm -hmm. you're here, plug in, be present, you know, be generous. That's my own coaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a a lot of that in Leadership Foundations. I think you came into some of the things that can kind of hold you back. Maybe you're thinking you don't want to be the awkward person in your group or, you know, you don't want to seem vulnerable or ask certain questions. Apply, be generous, be open. I found the community to be... uh, a safe place mm. um, and a very supportive space and practice makes perfect maybe you do have a couple of awkward conversations ahead of you or maybe you do have an opportunity to rethink something that you've thought but what better place to do it you know and those conversations are going to get had so I guess always apply I like it I like always it apply. you know how do we get yourself in the room how do I get on the court how do yeah. I raise my hand and, and say you know let yeah. me let me pick up that task such that that task is accomplished and then that has me in the community in the organization in the mix and then like you said you know just take care of your business and then you know then there's the what's next request yeah yeah Uh, yeah, and the whole you know the wooden thing too like every game not to trivialize it but sometimes too and i can be guilty of this we're all planners Mm. you may be thinking of you know what's going to happen after the femoral what you know what's Mm -hmm, the next mm -hmm. step you have so many opportunities in your present, mm-hmm. you know, so don't underestimate those. Every group, every study group counts, yeah. you know, the professors reach out to them. The TAs, mm. Kara was one of your first podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, the TAs, stay in touch, reach out those relationships. I think looking back, you're going to remember that. Yeah, Kara Bibiani was, she was one of the very first podcasts yeah. and she was your TA. So now yeah. you've got a connection. Yeah. 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 So yeah, tend tend those relationships, um, and and be present. Take it one step at a time. The femba way. You know, if you have something you're exploring, it doesn't mean that you're going to be an entrepreneur full time or have to quit your job and blah blah blah. Right. Because I'm guilty of that. Mm. But you might have something you're interested in. Just you know, one of the things I'm very very in the beginning stage of. I'm thinking of maybe writing a children's book. Oh, how fun! I'm not I'm immediately nervous because I put that out into the universe <laughs> in a very public way. Um, but, you know, before I would have, you know, crunched the numbers and, you mm-hmm. know, what's the units going to be? And, okay, what are we going to do for distribution? And, you know, how's that going to work? Now it's just something creative I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I know you can relate to that. You've published too. Yeah. Um, and it's something kind of fun. And we'll see what happens. So give, you, my, give yourself that space. I sent my draft to my editor this week on Tuesday. Really? Yeah, it's called Building a Winning Organization. Oh. Ah, and now I'm all nervous. Oh, my God, somebody's actually going to read it. I've worked right? on it for a year. And what if it's horrible? It's not. <laughs> it's not. Always apply. Be generous. Be compassionate with yourself. You didn't say compassionate. That's my word, but that's one I yeah, like to add. Yeah. Just, just, you know. I say be a friend to yourself. Yeah. 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 Can I treat myself as well as I treat my friends? Yeah. It's it's tricky because we do. We plan and we're, we push. And we're so hard on ourselves. Mm. And I won't even get into the mommy thing <laughs> and the woman thing with being so hard on yourself. 
But yeah, yeah be a good be a good friend to yourself. Everything does not have to have an expected end. Mm-hmm. You may just be in the room taking minutes, and who knows, you might meet the Queen of England. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Just now, just plug in. Well, Daytra, this has been so fun. I uh, can't wait to see you at the at the Wooden Awards evening. Thank you. It's going to be great, and thank you for taking the time out of a very busy life to record this, and I hope you all have enjoyed listening to Datra Oliver, Femba 2018. Look her up on LinkedIn. Yes, get in touch. I use my Anderson address, so you should know the... Uh, and I'm happy to connect if folks have specific questions, too. Well, we appreciate that. And please tune in next week for another interesting member of our community, and thanks for your listening this week. Bye for now.